mind if I stay at the end here? Yes, yeah. If you want to talk for 20 minutes, I'm not going to because I want to get into the Tai Chi as well. <laughs> um, it, it's really interesting today because we've been talking about culturally and linguistically diverse things. And I don't look culturally or linguistically diverse. And I'm very aware of that today. But I need to point out that I am the progeny, the child of immigrants. My culture is uh, my family are Irish Catholics. Now that might not seem very diverse, but a lot of my ancestors didn't come to this country by choice. And there's something about when you're brought to a country that's not your choice, you need to perhaps fight harder to have just the, the, the Australian dream. Now, the thing about us Irish Catholics, and I know that you all understand this from your cultures, is you don't talk about mental illness. You don't talk about being weak. There's nothing in the world that is worse than looking weak. So I grew up in a home that was very happy. My parents loved me. There was no trauma, there was no abuse. We were a Christian family. Uh, my father grew up right next to Aboriginal communities in far north Queensland. Uh, his brother was gay. So I grew up in a home where we accepted everybody. Didn't matter, color, creed, didn't matter. This was where the house that I grew up in. So I finished school and my grades were excellent. I could have done anything I wanted to do. I could have been a doctor, could have been whatever. Went to university, didn't like it. Wasn't for me. So I decided to travel around Australia and surf. I went to cut sugarcane with my uncle in Farmer's Queensland, and I basically bummed around. Had a great life. Met the girl of my dreams, who's here. Um, married her. Uh, we have three children. Um, they're all boys, except for two of them, who are girls. Thank you for laughing at that joke. I tell it in schools and kids go, but it doesn't make sense. Um, but I fell into a job which I loved and I was very, very good at, but which was, at the time, hurting my mental health. I've worked with people with disabilities. I worked with people with acquired brain injury. And because I had two special features that made me stand out, I was a man and I was strong. I was asked to work with the most difficult clients. Now, a very, very small part of the disabled community is very violent. They learned through childhood that violence is how you get things. So if you're autistic, and you want a cup of coffee, and you don't, you don't have the language to ask for that cup of coffee, you go and point at the coffee pot or whatever, and somebody knows that that's what you want. But if somebody comes up, that autistic person comes at two in the morning, points at the coffee pot, expecting their cup of coffee, they don't understand that it's two in the morning, 
They don't understand that it's not healthy for them to be drinking coffee at that night. All they know is if they pointed at the coffee pot and nothing's happened, that that's bad. So what might they do? They might pick up the cup and throw it. They learn that you will do anything to stop them being violent. It's not their fault. They don't choose that to be like that. And my job was to come in and try and decipher their language, figure out what they were actually saying and why, and then working with staff and families to try and make things better. Very world-minded, I sound like a great, you know, terrific. But the thing was, it was a violent job. I was hit, I was stabbed, uh, I was kicked, I was beaten. Uh, you name the violence, I suffered. Now this is where my Irish Catholic heritage came in. I was tough. I could take it. I was the guy that when there was a, a bad incident in the house, I would walk in and make it all calm. Everybody would go, oh, Mark's here, it's going to be okay. Two signs that this was not a healthy job. One was when I came home from work and I had a black eye or something. And I was sitting there playing a game and my wife came home. And she looked at my face and she screamed. What's wrong with your face? It's not a great question you want your wife or your partner to ask. Um, I'd been hit at work and I just was like, that's just my job. Don't worry about it. The second thing was I went to Royal North Shore Hospital, massive hospital in Sydney. I'd taken a staff, a staff member who'd, whose finger had been cut off and we put the finger in ice and we took it to the hospital. We walked in and the security guard said, hi Mark, how's it going? I said, oh, Mohammed, great to see you, mate. Walked inside, the charge nurse, the nurse at the thing, Mark, how's it going? Oh, Susan, great to see you. The other nurses, the doctors, all walked past, they all knew me. The cleaner came into the little room and was fixing the binner. Oh, Mark, I didn't see you there. The girl that I was with said, did you, did you used to work here or something? I said, no, no, I've never worked here again in my life. Problem was, I was going to a hospital at least two or three times a week with injuries to myself, to clients, to staff members or family members. This should have been a warning sign that something in my life was not good. I ignored it. I'd get depressed. My wife talks about how, uh, in retrospect, that once a year, for about a month, I'd be really subdued. And I didn't think that was mental illness. I just thought that was me being weak. And I knew that if I served or did something, I would get better. Now, the worst possible thing happened to me in the workplace. Uh, a dude came after me and tried to kill me with a knife. Uh, thankfully, I survived. I'm okay. Um, but this event, I had to go to the police station, I had to file police reports. I walked out of the police station and I was on the road, uh, the main road through Hornsby, and I just sat in the gutter and started crying. And I couldn't stop. I just couldn't stop crying. I was like, what's going on? 
Then I was depressed. And then I was afraid. And then I was anxious. And not anxious like, oh, I'm a bit nervous. Anxious like when somebody comes up behind you and startles you. You're like, oh, 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 wish they didn't do it. But this happened all the time. And I learned to fear my body's reaction to my mental illness more than I did the actual event that happened. I'm very aware of the time. Cool. Um, I was ashamed. To this day, I still have not sat down with my parents and talked about my mental illness. Not because they're ashamed, but because they don't know how to talk about it. Now, I got home. My wife said, one guy went to work in the morning, a different guy came home in the afternoon. It was one day my wife was going to work. I lay down on the floor with my face down, hands by my side. She walked past and said, what are you still doing there? I said, what do, what do you mean? What am I still doing here? She said, I've been to work and come home. It's been 11 hours and you're lying in the same space. It's how depressed I was. I hated myself. Hated. Not just like my beard has got some grey in it. I didn't realise until about three or four years after when I got better, I looked in the mirror and came out to my wife and said, mate, look, I've got grey hair in my beard. Because I hated myself so much I wouldn't even look at myself in a mirror. And the day I didn't realise I had grey hair in my beard, let's fast forward. I'm working at a radio station. I'm not telling anybody that I have a mental illness. I'm just not mentioning it. I'm a radio host, I'm on there, I'm being happy. Some of the staff know that I have issues. And one day, I come in and there's an email. And it says, Mark, thank you for talking about your mental illness. I was mad. I was like, somebody has gone on air and talked about my mental illness. See, I'd gone through five years of living with mental illness. I survived a suicide attempt, but I didn't want people to know. And I started reading through the emails, and I'm thinking, any one of these emails is going to be the end of the world. I'm going to get fired. I'm going to get sacked. Um, something's going to happen. We looked into it. The night before, I interviewed an ultra-marathon runner. And at the end of the interview, I said, as a person with mental illness, thank you for sharing this story. That's all I said. Email after email thanking me. I'm waiting for the hammer to drop. I'm mad. I'm angry. I'm, I'm anxious. The worst didn't happen. In fact, people before I mentioned my mental illness, we come into the radio station to meet Mark, the radio announcer. And it was kind of, it's weird when people are like, oh, it's funny, it's like, no, I'm just on radio. Um, but it wasn't about that after I mentioned my mental illness. People were wanting, thanking me, wanting to talk about their own situations. And that's how I want to finish today. I don't look around and see, and forgive me, I'm not going to try and say languages, uh, nations. I see Asian people, I see African people, I see European people, I see some Anglo people. I don't see people from different cultures, different uh, experiences. I see my brothers and sisters because you're standing with me today 
and you're not ashamed of me. You're letting me talk. You're talking about something that affects us all. I feel especially grateful to be here today, and I want to thank everybody for the opportunity. Thank you.